demigod said, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, you are competent to give the results of sacrifice. And you are also the time factor that destroys all such results in due course. You are the one who releases the chakra to kill the demons. O Lord, who possesses many varieties of names, we offer our respectful obeisances unto you. Text 32. You control the three destinations, promotion of their components, birth as a human being, and condemnation in hell. Yet, your supreme abode is like Kunta. Since we appeared after you created this cosmic manifestation, your activities are impossible for us to understand. We therefore have nothing to offer you but humble obeisances. People, an inexperienced man generally does not know what to be from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everyone is under the jurisdiction of the created material world and no one knows what benedictions to ask when praying to the Supreme Lord. People generally pray to be promoted to the heavenly planets because they have no information about the Taloka. Srila Madhvacharya quotes the following verse Deva Loka Pitri Loka Nirayas Chapriyakaram Tishtrivya Paramam Stananam Vaishnavam Vidusham Gatari There are different planetary systems known as Deva Loka, the planets of the demigods, Pitri Loka, the planets of the Peters, and Niraya, the hellish planets. When one transcends these various planetary systems and enters Vaikuntha Loka, he achieves the ultimate resort of all the Vaishnavas. Vaishnavas have nothing to do with the other planetary systems.
So here we have prayers offered to the Lord. By the demigods. Sri Deva Uchuhu. And so they offered their respects to the Lord. And describing his transcendental qualities. The first quality they describe is you give the results of sacrifice. Namaste, Yagya Viraya, Viraya. Vayase, Uttate, Namaha. So, Krishna mentions in the Bhagavad Gita, Bhokaram, Jagya, Tapasam, Sarvaloka Maheshwaram Suriyam Sadhubhuta Namgyatva Mamsanti Vrichati Papa says the peace formula. Right. What's the peace formula? To acknowledge, recognize that Krishna is the enjoyer of all of the sacrifices, of all of the activities, of all of the living entities. And so that's recognized here by the, the demigods. Namaste, Yagyavirya, Vayasri Uttate Namaha. So they're acknowledging the Lord as the bestower of the results of sacrifice. He gives everything, but. <laughs> He also takes everything away. <laughs> so we give we give him facility. Right? We give him opportunity. But we are wearing borrowed plumes. Does belong to us actually. Therefore, there's obeisances to the Lord when He gives, right, which everybody likes. And there's also obeisances to the Lord when He takes it away, right? Because ultimately, the Lord is the is the upadrashta uh, and the anumanta, the overseer and the permitter of everything that goes on in the creation. And there's this constant state of flux. And, and we're seeing that with the demigods. The demigods are on the, on the, on the top of the world. Well, on top of the universe. But then eventually it was taken away from them. Now they're trying to get it back. So they're acknowledging this is all taking place under the auspices of the Supreme Control who can provide the results of the judgment but also take away when Srila Prabhupada had his 
bugger mig hele mand i sø, stormet i New York i 
having varieties of transcendental names. Supuru. So, in the second verse, text 32, Yate Katinam Tishrinam You control the three destinations, and it's interesting here, three destinations, what are the three destinations you can remember? How many planet? Yeah. And which four? Hmm? How, how many planets? How which planets? And? So this is, this is interesting. There are three locations. Now Prabhupada says, usually a person offering prayers to the Lord doesn't know what to ask for. Because usually they're aspiring to improve their material condition and that's done by seeking elevation to the heavenly planets. Like 
Krishna, Krishna mentions in Bhagavad Gita that the, the unintelligence are bewildered by the flowering words of the Vedas, wherein one's encouraged to worship the demigods for elevating material life. And so this is, this is whilst it's a um, it's a benefit uh, it's a benefit still it's temporary so you perform sacrifices and jagas and you're elevated to the heavenly planets but then what happens taken away in due course it's taken away back to the human form or back to from there in the animal species. So it's a very risky proposition. And so this is, even though this is elevated and it is authorised by the Vedic um, scriptures, the Vedic, you know, the guidelines of the human within the Shastra. And so therefore in one sense authorised, uh, because it's given in the Shastra, it's authorised. Uh, but it's, it's, it's still considered ignorant. Right? Still considered to be in a state of ignorance. Like the demigods. Demigods have been here. We're in a state of ignorance. We were born after you. We've not been able to see your transcendental pastimes. We've not seen you create the material universe. We've not seen your uh, um, descent, if you like. This is what avatar means. We've not seen your descent from the spiritual world into the material world. So, uh, your activities are impossible for us to understand. Now, now, but she know we saw just ya daughter Not possible for one who was born after you or within the creation, basically, we saw just ya means the creation. It's not possible for those born under the influence of the material energy to know the transcendental characteristics of the Lord. Naveditum arhati. Not able to understand. Right. And so that's why. That's uh, um, why one needs guru, effectively. Why one needs to study the Vedas under the um, auspices of a bona fide spiritual master, because there's just so much information in the Vedas. It's easily, it's easy to become bewildered by it. And so then one accepts something which is, one can accept something which appears to be good but is not. 
like you know, worse than the demigods. It's authorized in the Vedic literature. And it appears to be an elevation, certainly from the human species. It's an elevation. And from the animal species, from the hellish planets, it's an elevation. So it appears to be good. Because right? it, it's, it's, it's progress, if you like, from being an animal and from being a human being. You can live for many, many thousands of years and uh, enjoy the, the, the benefits of the, of the um, heavenly planets. But, according to the Vaishnavas, Prabhupada says here, Vaishnavas have nothing to do with the other planetary systems other than what? The Vaikuntha Vaikus. That's where they aspire. What is it? Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Padam Pada Pasyanti Sarayaho. Dviva Chakshur Atatam Jagra Vamsa Samindate. Is that right? Something like that. Do you chant that every morning? Yeah. I learned it a long time ago, and when I put my tilak on, that's one of the prayers you chant before putting on the tilak. But what does it mean? The demigods and the, 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 the brahmanas, they look to the supreme abode, Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Param. Right? Param, Param, the, the topmost place of residence. And what's that? On that Vishnu, the place of Lord Vishnu. So that's the Vaikuntha Lotus. Right? They see the inferior nature of the heavenly planets. On the lower position, the heavenly planets look like the, you know, everything, or certainly the location you aspire to. But the devotees know because they have a clear understanding of what the purpose of the Vedas is, and they're not bewildered by the flowery language of the Vedas, but rather to the essence, the Vedanta. Right? Vedanta is the, is the conclusion of the Vedas. Vedaya Vedanta Krishna says. So, uh, it's, it's um, um, essential that one studies the Vedas under the auspices of, a, of a, somebody who knows the Vedas, knows the purpose of the Vedas. And of course, the, the purpose of the Vedas is not to go to the heavenly planets, although we are encouraged in the Vedas to worship the demigods to go to the heavenly planets. But that's not the root, that's not the. And that's why we need a, a, a teacher to, to help us discriminate 
to understand what sections of the Vedas should we be focused on. And it's why we study effectively the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam. Because the Srimad Bhagavatam is considered to be the, what is it, Nigga Kapatura Galitam Thalam. It's considered to be the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic literature. Uh, or it's, uh, it's the Vedasa, it's the essence of the Vedas. Right? This is why Bhagavatam is so important. So important. And why Prabhupada concentrated on the Bhagavatam? Why the Bhagavatam is the elementary or the fundamental basis of our healing and chanting in, you know, growth, in every day. Well, and one of the Panchanga Bhakti, uh, uh, one of the Bhakti processes that gives prana uh, to those who engage in, in, in that, those activities, the five activities of prana bhakti. One of them is hearing the Bhagavatam. So it's fundamentally essential for the devotees because it's the natural commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. The Vedanta Sutra is the essence of the Vedas. The Vedanta, the end of the Vedas, right? And the natural commentary, so we have the Vedanta Sutra is so conceptually um, what is it? Compact. It's also difficult to understand. And so therefore, and, and it's interesting, you see, the uh, Dev had compiled all of the Vedic literature. Right? And yet, even though he compiled all of the Vedic literature, what was he? Ecstatic? No. no? What was he? He was tired. He was tired. <laughs> 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 so he then, he then said to uh, um, Narada Muni, he was inquiring from Narada Muni, who was his spiritual master, what should he do? Right? This is a duty of a disciple. If a disciple is despondent and doesn't know what to do, then he should inquire. So, and Narayana told him, you've compiled all of this Vedic literature, but all you have succeeded in doing is confusing people. You confuse yourself. Because there are so many, there's such a variety of instructions in the Vedas. And, and you know, for all different types of motive ignorance, motivation, motive goodness people. Right? <laughs> so he advised the other to compile the Srimad Bhagavatam. So the people would have the essence of instruction, the essence of the Vedas. And so that's, that's mentioned in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita. 
the Bhagavatam is our very means of conquest, it's mentioned by right? hearing the Bhagavatam. Etc. Right? Pretty interesting, really. But not approachable by everybody, actually. Approachable only by the devotees. And, and we see the mood of the devotees here with the, with the demigods. Right? Your activities are impossible for us to understand. We therefore have nothing to offer you but our humble obeisances. And this is very interesting. With that mode of submission, with that mode of submission and that mode of dependence and that the activity of regularly hearing the Bhagavatam, one actually gets an opportunity to know and to see and to appreciate and understand the Lord. Although, you know, I mentioned this the other day, and it was a nice point in this uh, class, these classes that I've been listening to on the Dutch and all of that, but Kamala Lopesanka mentions that the Lord is not known as such, but rather in the pastimes in the Bhagavatam are relished, they're explored, they're absorbed, one, one absorbs one's consciousness in these activities of the Lord, and in that way relishes the mellows of devotion, of bhakti, rasasa. So, bhakti ras. So, uh, and in that way then one knows or understands the Lord in that mood of uh, uh, dependence of um, um, humility, actually, what it is, it's submission. Um, supplication, that's right, supplication. And that's what the difficulty is doing here. We were born after you, and after you performed all of your wonderful activities. Um, and so it's impossible for us to understand you. And so therefore we offer our obeisances to you. So this is a, very much a mood of a, a devotee. What is it? Vandanam. This is one of the nine items of bhakti that's been demonstrated here by the gods. They're, they're relishing the activities, the pastimes of the Lord by, what is it? Shravanam Kirtanam. Shravanam Kirtanam Smaranam. Remembering the Lord and also here Vandanam, offering of prayers. In the next devotion it's mentioned that any one of the nine items or all of them, or a combination of them, can uh, one can achieve perfection. So that's what we're seeing the demigods doing here. They they've been hearing 
they're chanting, they're remembering, and here they're offering prayers. And their mood is one of supplication, of submission, which is which is the um, uh, mood of the devotee, and, and they're recognizing, you know, you're the Lord of all these three destinations, but the the real destination is is Vaikuntha. That's where we that's where we want to go. When one transcends these various planetary systems and enters Vaikuntha Loka, he achieves the ultimate resort of the Vaishnavas. Vaishnavas have nothing to do with the other planetary systems. Does anybody have any comments or questions? You met some people sometimes. That think that they can worship anyone and achieve the same goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Why do they think like that? They're fools. <laughs> Krishna says they're fools. And earlier on, last verse I spoke on one was it They're criticised or their efforts are considered to be like trying to cross the ocean by hanging on to the tail of a dog. Mm. If you hang on to the tail of a dog, how far you can get? <laughs> you won't even get past, you won't get out of Port Phillip Bay. So, now why do they think like that? Why? Because most most people are ignorance. And one of the one of the interesting characteristics of studying the Bhagavatam is that one's one's appreciation of time of the vastness of the universe, the, the enormity of everything, and the presence of the demigods even, for example, the presence of the planetary controllers, the presence of the demigods, and then the presence of the, of the mamantaras, and, and you know, just the whole enormity and structure you know, the structure of the universal affairs, the people are just ignorant of it. Um, mostly their, their mind is, you know, their consciousness is focused on, you know, suburban Melbourne, <laughs> right? maybe Victoria, which they don't know all about. And, and then, uh, then the rest of Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, what's up? What's beyond that? US, Bali, yeah. Phuket, mm-hmm. what else? No, you know, it's all, it's all pretty much within this global 
But that's it. Beyond that, uh, the moon. Or they think about Mars. That's right. But you know, when you study the Bible, then you just get this, you get this uh, vista that's expanded so much broader and with an appreciation of authorities and powers that are, you know, outside of the accessibility of most people. So when you think about it, Oh, as we do, then our perspective on unit, the universal affairs is much, much broader and goes beyond the material into the transcendental world, into the Bhagavad and the, and the place of Vishnu, from whom all of the other material realms come from. But the most people scratch their heads thinking, well, you know, where did we come from? They think we came from monkeys. <laughs> right? This is the limit of their consciousness. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Right? Advanced monkeys, that's what we are. <laughs> right? And there's a reason, you know, there are good reasons for that actually. You know, I was listening to a lecture by Sophie Victor the other day, and he was making the point that within, and, and evolution, evolution has some basis of fact, right? Because he was making the observation that the, and, and you know, there's a template for all mammals. Interesting point he was making. There's a template. What's the template for mammals? How many? Four. Yeah. And what do they have? What's, what goes on in the inside? What is it? Vertebrates. What we have? We have a a um, backbone, right? And he and and he's, he made a point that uh, if you analyse the hands of a horse, which is a two-front legs, right? They actually have uh, toes, right? And have a guess how many? Mm-hmm. Two. Close, but there's more. How many do you think? Five. They've got five. One of them is prominent. The nail, you know, the nail. It's the, the hoof is actually the nail of the. But he said this. He made a point that this. If you analyse it, there are four residual, uh, undeveloped toes, if you like, one fingers on a hoof of a horse. Very interesting, right? And so you'll see there's a template of mammals that's fairly consistent, but it's it's. Develop differently depending on the on the nature of the species. Right? So you know we see that 
as evidence, we view that as evidence of there being a planner. Right? There's some structure, there's some order in things. Um, he explained another, there's a couple of theories on, on um, evolution where um, everything is uniquely created or as the evidence suggests that there are templates that have been created and then they're expanded upon depending on the species of the living entity. So they're, they're not unique, we're not unique. But, and you can see that, we see that. In, that's why evolution as a theory has some, uh, what do you call it, has some compulsion, you know, has, it's compelling because of that evidence that we see around us. Of course, we see it differently. We, we see it from the instruction of the Vedas that there is evidence that it's all been planned. And things are modified, you know, according to requirements. So, you know, the, the, the mindset of the transcendentalists or the Vaishnavas is expanded beyond what the average man in the street is exposed to. And we just discuss that as normal, this is normal life for us, right? And then when we put these ideas to the man on the street, he says, oh, what? <laughs> it's mind-blowing, huh? Like I, I mentioned the other day, when I, I opened up the Nectar of Devotion at one of my friend's house and I read that Krishna, the speaker of Snake of God, and he's playing with his friends in the forest of Vrindavan and they're hurting cows. So I just, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Right, so it's ignorance. It's just lack of exposure. Yeah, that's why we have to be merciful. And of course, not blow people away because there's so much far out stuff in the Vedas, we could just blow people's minds. And so when we talk to them, they just go to these Hare Krishnas, you know, whoop, <laughs> three stooges. <laughs> you fool! We can't even do that. We have to, we have to introduce things very, very, very gradually and subtly. Otherwise, we just blow people. You know. So that's why Krishna says, "Don't disturb the minds of the ignorant, but encourage them in acts of devotion, so that gradually we soften their." Hearts and soften their understanding of things so that eventually they can get to be like the demigods. Okay, I think we should go. Oh, Mahatma When you were saying about monkey, I was thinking of monkey pox. Monkey? They knew this is monkey pox. Monkey pox. Like smallpox. Yes. It's coming from. Monkeys. Into human beings. Yes. That's what happened. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, read, I read an article yesterday and they were saying that, they were speculating, but I've got some truth, 
of saying that uh, casual uh, sex at a couple of concerts in uh, Southern Europe where somebody had, had that disease that's actually in the past around Okay, congratulations, I'm going to 